now listening to Grace City Portland. Simon, come up. Thanks, Gray. Um, guys, just, just to kind of pick up on, on that last one, transformations, it's where the action's at. Um, and I would even say, if, if you've been coming along, if you're sort of getting to know Gray City as a community, trying to meet some people and, and that kind of thing, I think transformations is probably like a great sort of next step. Um, it is the, the fundamentals, as it were, of the faith. Um, it is... It is the gospel in depth, and I think it's also a chance just to get to know. So, like, what, what exactly does, where is Grace City kind of coming from in terms of the, the nuances of the gospel? I mean, I'd like to think it's just it's what you're going to find in the Bible. Um, it's nothing weird, nothing unexpected, um, but it's just a way to say I, I'd really like to know in detail, like, what, what does our church here kind of say regarding Jesus and the gospel and grace and how all these things work together and what it looks like to be transformed through relationship with God. So if you've not done it before, um, gosh, I really could not encourage you enough to, to come out on a Tuesday night, six weeks in a row. Um, and you can sign up online. We've got a, a bit of a registration. There's a book that, that we use as a, a bit of a manual as we make our way through the scriptures. And I'd really love for you to, to, if you've not done it and you've even been a part of the church here for a little while, I would say jump in, get on it. Um, Welcome again, by the way, uh, as Gray mentioned, I believe my name is Simon, um, and I'm, did he mention that? Yeah, okay. Um, and I'm, I'm the pastor here, just one of, of many leaders here um, who've started this little community that we call Grace City. Really, really glad you're here. I hope that if you are new or new-ish to our little church community here, um, that you find this to be a very safe place. Um, our, our little vision statement, our strap line, if you will, is we exist so that anyone might experience truth, grace, and new life in Jesus Christ. Um, yeah, so that's real. And we want to make sure that wherever you're coming from, uh, you know, whether you're undecided, whether you're just exploring things, or your friend just sort of like coerced you into coming here this morning, uh, you, you can explore. You can, you can be yourself ask your questions, voice your objections, and go on a journey with us, and hopefully find this to be a safe community to go on a journey uh, on, because it's not a one-stop shop. It's not just come here to talk and, and move on. It's, we're all going someplace together and exploring together. So I hope you find that to be the case um, this morning. As Gray also mentioned, we're gonna, um, we actually, next week will be our final installment of our series, our study that we've been doing through the book of 1 Corinthians. Um, so if you're excited for the grand finale, that will be next week. Um, but this morning, we're going to jump right in where we've left off, and that is 1 Corinthians chapter 16. If you have a Bible, now would be the time to grab it. If you'd like to borrow one, um, we have a few in the boxes in the aisle here. You're very welcome to grab one of those and look on. And of course, we'll have most of the text we'll be looking at this morning on the slide as well. Um, let's just jump right in. First Corinthians chapter 16. Um, we touched on, it was a couple weeks ago, we began 16. And what you find if you read through the breadth of chapter 16, it's pretty much um, Paul's housekeeping. He, he's touching on like a series of slightly random things, kind of putting the finest, final touches on some of the things that he's wanted to talk about with this this Jesus community that has formed in the ancient city of Corinth. 
And so I, I probably shouldn't say it's random, but it's just it's a bit of a hodgepodge collection of, of different thoughts that Paul just sort of inserts at the end of his letter. So that's kind of what we're looking at this morning. Um, we're gonna, most of your Bibles might entitle this little paragraph, Plans for Travel in Chapter 16. So this is what we're going to look at this morning. Um, so let's just go for it. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, starting in verse 5. Paul writes to the church and he says, I will visit you after passing through Macedonia, for I intend to pass through Macedonia, and perhaps I will stay with you or even spend the winter so that you may help me on my journey wherever I go. For I do not want to see you now just in passing. I hope to spend some time with you, if the Lord permits. But I will stay in Ephesus until Pentecost, for a wide open door for effective work has opened to me, and there are many adversaries. For a wide door of effective work has opened to me, and there are many adversaries. And we're going to stop right there and talk about the phenomenon of the open door in Scripture. Have you ever been to uh, a Christian, I don't know, gathering, church service, prayer meeting, or just been around some Christian folk, and they sort of throw out this little catchphrase, the open door? God has opened a door, or perhaps someone is praying for an open door. You guys, you, you're tracking with me? This is one of those. Paul is talking about an open door, an open door for effective work and ministry. What is the open door phenomenon? Why is it important? How do we find these open doors? How do we know if it is in fact an open door from God? And if so, what happens when we step through it? We're going to spend the next uh, 30 minutes or so this morning exploring this, um, the phenomenon of the open door, God's open door policy, as it were. Now, why is this important? Number one, the open door obviously is a metaphor. I don't think Paul's literally talking about we were, we were going along and there was an actual door frame and a door and it happened to be open and we, he's clearly not talking about that. This is a spiritual metaphor, but why is it important? It's important because if you spend any amount of time reading through the scriptures, what you find is a God who is personally and intensely interacting with people. He's guiding his children. He's speaking to individuals. He's not just giving instructions from a distance. He's actually interacting with his children and calling us to follow him as he takes us on this epic adventure, this journey through life, life following Jesus. When we read the scriptures, what we find isn't just merely data to be pondered or processed, what we find in the story of God is a God who invites us to participate. A God who says, follow me. The God who revealed himself in the person of Jesus Christ and says, I want you to join the story. And so it's a big deal that we would, that we would be led by God and that in certain instances along the way, he would ordain opportunities for us to respond to, open doors, if you will, that we might recognize and step through. 
And it's meant to be a really exciting thing. But what is, what is this open door phenomenon? Um, let's begin with some, uh, just a smattering of biblical examples. A few Old Testament and a few New Testament. Um, let's start in Psalm 78, 23. We can go to the next slide here. Part 28, the open door. Psalm 78, 23, he commanded the skies above and opened the doors of heaven. We sang about that this morning. And he rained down on them manna, that's like a kind of bread, to eat and gave them the grain of heaven. Isaiah 45, verse 1. Thus says the Lord to his anointed, to Cyrus, who was like the king of Persia. He's a baddie. Thus says the Lord to his anointed, to Cyrus, whose right hand I have grasped, to subdue nations before him and loose the belts of kings to open doors before him that gates may not be closed. Zechariah 11 verse 1. Open your doors, O Lebanon, that the fire may devour your cedars. What we see here is that sometimes an open door can mean provision and blessing, as in Psalm 78, 23. Other times judgment and wrath against evildoers for the purposes of liberating oppressed people. Let's go New Testament, three more. Acts 14, 27. And when they arrived and gathered the church together, they declared all that God had done with them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. That's non-Jews, that's us, most of us, I presume. Colossians 4, 3. At the same time, Pray also for us. This is the Apostle Paul writing again, another letter to the church in Colossae. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word, the gospel, to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison. There is a precedent for praying for open doors. God, open a door for effective ministry. God, open a door for the, I can participate in something you're doing. And finally, in Revelation chapter 3, verse 8, Jesus, speaking to the church in Philadelphia, he says, I know your works. Behold, I've set before you an open door which no one is able to shut. I know that you have but little power, and yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. Open doors all throughout the story of God. Open doors for telling people about Jesus. Open doors uh, for protection. Open doors. Let's, um, let's get a bit of a definition up there. Now, I, I spent some time working on this. You're not going to find this explicitly in the Bible, but I think this is helpful just to kind of give us some handles to grab hold of. It's like a real dictionary definition. <laughs> Thank you. The open door, a set of circumstances or specific opportunity that God has orchestrated through which he desires to bless, protect, liberate, or, and or provide an opportunity for effective ministry to others. Is that fair? That's the open door. Not to be confused with, let's go to the next slide. The trap door or the door of, quote-unquote, normal opportunity. Let me explain. 
the trap door. I was, um, surely you remember this. <clears throat> Why are you shaking your head? <laughs> we were renting when we first arrived back to the States. We've been living in the UK for, for almost a decade. And uh, we rented a little house in California. We stopped off there for about nine months. And uh, it had a basement, like a little basement. Um, the trap door to the basement was in the laundry room. Um, the trap door was left open because we were working on some things and it was really, really heavy. We closed the laundry room door so that no one would fall through the trap door, um, like children. Uh, needless, you already see where this is going. Needless to say, I, I ran in quickly to grab something out of the laundry room, open the door, and just step straight into an open trap door. Mm hmm. The first part of my body to make contact with, any, with anything was with these ribs here, landed on sort of like the, the edge of the trap door, and then proceeded to like tumble down these steps to the bottom of this little cellar. It was traumatic. It was traumatic. There's nothing quite as surreal as like taking a step, thinking like you're, you know, it's naturally there's like solid ground before, and just the next thing you know, like I'm, I'm falling. I'm free falling now. I don't recommend it. There are certain instances of quote-unquote open doors in scriptures, in the scripture, that are not open doors. They are trap doors. For example, Luke chapter 4. This is probably uh, one of the best examples, but certainly one of many. Luke chapter 4, you might be familiar with this, this is when uh, the Holy Spirit... After Jesus was baptized, the Holy Spirit led the Son of God into the wilderness, into the desert, um, where he was tempted by the devil um, after having fasted for 40 days. And it says in Luke chapter 4, the devil took Jesus up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time and said to him, to you I will give all this authority and their glory, for it has been delivered to me, and I give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. An opportunity for Jesus to accomplish the very thing in which he was in fact sent to do. To reclaim all authority in heaven and on earth for the kingdom of God, to establish his kingdom, to inaugurate his rule. And the Satan, the deceiver, comes along and he says, you know, I've, I've, got a, I've got an open door for you. I've got a deal for you. All of this, which you know in fact is destined to be yours, I can give it to you. It's been delivered over to me. It's true. That was true. When Adam and Eve, our parents, rebelled against God in the garden, they handed over the earth, the kingdom of God that we had been entrusted to steward, we forfeited. We handed it over to God's enemy. And so Satan rightfully said, I, I can give this to you. Just one small detail. Worship me. And so what might appear as an expedient opportunity to do God's will it's not an open door at all. It's a trap. 
It is a trap door, and I think there's a, there's a whole sermon series in that little tidbit right there. Sometimes in life, sometimes in our, our zeal, our desire to follow God and to be about, about his kingdom, um, opportunities will come along that might appear just to be like, dude, this, is, this has got to be from God. It clearly aligns with his will. And it just seems way, way easier than the whole, like, take up your cross and follow me situation. Some apparent open doors are actually trap doors. And you'll do more than crack a few ribs on your way down if you're not looking out for them. Um, And then, of course, there is the example of the quote-unquote normal opportunity so, guys, let's, let's just be real. Sometimes when we start talking about the open-door phenomenon in Christian sort of circles and whatnot, it can just get real weird real fast. Okay, we can oh, open-door this, open-door that, and before you know it, every little random coincidence is turning into like an open-door from God. For example, let's say there's uh, someone in the church, could be a guy or a girl, and you think they're super cute, and you've been praying and praying and praying. Is she the one? Is he the one? Is he the one? You know, the one, the one, the one. And you're praying. And then finally you work up the courage to ask this one out. And they say yes. Now in your mind it would be so easy to be like, that's an open door from God. <laughs> that's a sign if there ever was one. She said yes to going out. She is the one. God has opened the door that no man can shut. <sighs> no, no. That's not what's happening at all. (laughs) She probably just feels a little sorry for you. (laughs) Or maybe she likes you. Um, Whatever the case, um, probably not an open door, okay? Not, Not one of those. That's what we call a normal opportunity. That's what often happens when you ask someone out. They might say yes, they might say no. That's called normal life. I know that's kind of funny and silly, but guys, I, I got to say it. I got to say it because people get weird. Yeah, people, you know, you get, you get desperate enough, anything that moves can become an open door. We're not talking about that. Okay. So, trap door, door of normal opportunity. Nope, not that. We're talking about open doors from God. Now, I want to I elaborate on that. So what, what is an open door from God? How can we recognize a genuine open door? What does it look like? How do we step through it? Um, what can we expect? Because oftentimes when there's an open door, uh, we, we don't fully realize it was one um, until we, we look back in retrospect. Um, so a few points here. Number one. Open doors typically lead to, number one, work and adversity. This is what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 16, for a wide door for effective work has opened to me, and there are many adversaries. An open door from God will typically lead to work and adversity. Okay, regarding work, the commercials tell us that success equals bigger salaries and more vacation time or less work and more play. Okay, that's what the commercials tell, tell us. In the upside down kingdom, Jesus' way, his way of life, 
his kingdom values, the kingdom economy, if you will, tells us that work is a gift and rest is a time to enjoy the fruits of our labor. An open door from God typically leads to more work because work is a gift from God. It's a gift from God. We have been designed to do, we have been prepared for, or work has been prepared for us to do. Not that, to earn, not that we earn salvation, but once we've received the good and perfect work that Jesus did for us on the cross, then we get to live the rest of our lives exploring and discovering and enjoying the good works that God has prepared for us to do. So when we're looking for open doors, we're looking to get more involved with the work that our Father has prepared for us to do. It also means adversity. The commercials tell us that adversity probably means that something has gone terribly wrong and we should probably look for a way out. Okay, it's hard, I don't like it, it's difficult, etc., etc. Obviously, something's gone wrong, I'm, I've stepped outside of God's will, so I need to, I just need to somehow run away from the situation. In the upside-down kingdom, adversity quite possibly means that something is going terribly right, and that God is blessing us with a trial so that we might grow in character, freedom, joy, faithfulness, holiness, and all the many ways that we are to resemble Jesus in our lives. Adversity might very well mean that we have stepped through an open door from God. We have more work to do, but we have more battles to fight. It could be you've just stepped through an open door from God. Um, Here's some side advice for you. If you have been praying for an open door in your life, perhaps it's, it's something to do with your, your career, perhaps it's something to do with a relationship, maybe you are looking for a future spouse, and you've been praying, God, show me the one. Maybe you are genuinely looking for an open door in that way. Let's say you think you have found one, and you step through it. You know, everything just seems to be aligning. It seems to be the opportunity. I mean, you're praying, God, let your will be done in my life. And if you would, lead me, guide me, open a door that I might follow you as I, as I step through it. So let's say that happens. Let's say you do that and you get onto the other side of that door and all of a sudden, you're like, oh my goodness, life just got way, way harder. Like I'm, I'm having to work more. I'm, I'm, I'm putting out Fires, I'm having to pray my guts out because all of a sudden, like I'm just in the action. And you think to yourself, okay, I, I just need to quickly back, back through this door because this was obviously not God. And we'll do this. We'll think because everything has just gotten, you know, work and adversity and all this stuff, and it's more difficult. I'm having to pray more and I'm having to trust God more and all of these things. So we can think, well, that obviously was not an open door from God. And so we'll, we'll quickly exit. So here's my advice. If in prayer, in community, in alignment with God's word, you proceed to step through an open door, quickly close the door, lock it, and slip the key back underneath. Because I promise you, when you step through the open door, 
you will quite likely find work and adversity. Things that naturally we have a slight aversion towards. But it's quite likely we're exactly where God wants us as we step through that open door. Number two. Open doors typically lead to opportunity for greater trust in God and others. Typically, um, it's just like normal people, normal human beings, we, we seek security. Do we not? It's, it's, like, it's, it's pretty normal. It's, it's the American way. We want to be secure, financial security, relational security, just life security. Um, we, I think, oftentimes feel rather entitled towards security. It's a basic human desire. And so we seek security and we cry out to God for help. God's answer to our cry, he shakes our lives to the core that we might realize the futility of seeking security in finite matters and instead turn to our creator who alone can provide the meaning and security that we're all really looking for. In other words, he leads us through doors whereupon the other side temporal sources of security begin to crumble. That is, life becomes even less stable so that we might be compelled to begin trusting God in ways that we wouldn't have even dared to trust him before. When we step through the open door, we might find ourselves in a place of greater vulnerability where we're required to exercise greater trust, which is where we discover the trustworthy one. God has this way of answering our cries, not by giving us more stuff, but by giving us more of himself. So if you're crying out for some kind of security, probably, if you're not in a relationship, I bet you it has something to do with love. That's just, it's just a really, really normal human phenomenon. And we, we, can, we can find security in that. Um, if it's not that, probably I would, I would wager you're looking for something to do with money. Um, I don't know, what else is there in life? significance and we cry out to God for these things and we say God give me an open door God says right here's, here's one step through it and all of a sudden everything that we once were perhaps finding a sense of security in all of a sudden it's just being like shaken to the core and these finite things that we once found something in God is just like stripping away have you ever found yourself in that moment where you thought you were like just, just right in the line with God's will? You were following him. You were praying stuff like, God, like just lead me wherever. I'm just, I'm all for you. I want to live for you. Or just, you know, you're crying and it's just all that. And the next thing you know, you feel like you've just like, you remember in middle school, I don't know if the girls did this, but the boys would come up behind you and like pull your pants down. You guys remember that? Did that ever happen to you? And you feel like, utterly exposed in a moment you're like ah that that happened to me i was like in the seventh grade it was not cool (laughs) 
God can lead us through an open door in a way that the things that we once found great stability and security in all of a sudden are stripped away. And we're left grasping for the only one in whom we can find eternal, lasting security in. And that is God himself. So again, step to the door, close the door, lock it, slip the key underneath. Because you will want to run away from that. Third, third and final one. Open doors typically lead to deeper friendship with God and others. Open doors lead to work and adversity, which require greater trust, which typically, virtually always leads to deeper friendships with God and others. Greater trust always leads to deeper friendship, therefore open doors lead to a deeper friendship with God and others. I'll put it this way, in a world of independence and opportunity, God's pinnacle value of relationship will inevitably challenge you to make a choice. People or progress, family or fortune, community or the comfy life. When you step through an open door, God is going to challenge you to grow deeper in your relationships with him and with others. Um, I love this, 2 Corinthians chapter two. This is, this is, this is sort of a, a paradoxical example of, of Paul himself responding to an open door. Let me just read this to you. 2 Corinthians chapter two, verses 12 and 13. Paul says, when I came to Troas, to preach the gospel of Christ, even though a door was opened for me in the Lord, my spirit was not at rest because I did not find my brother Titus there. So I took leave of them and went on to Macedonia. Isn't that something? Even though an open, a door had been opened to Paul for gospel ministry, a door from the Lord, so he says, he says, nope, can't do it. My spirit is not at rest because I've got to find my friend. Isn't that interesting? Paul passes up the open door because the pinnacle value of relationship trumps the opportunity even for mission. Which would lead me to make the argument that work with God always flows out of relationship with God and others. We're not just here to use each other, to you know, get business done. Now, God first and foremost calls us to himself. He adopts us. He gives us hearts that are full of his love. He gives us a new identity. We literally become new creations, as the scriptures put it. We're born again, as Jesus put it. And then our father says, let's go to work. Let's go to work. And guess what? Guys, when you've been adopted into the family of God, there's, there's really no greater joy than participating 
and the Father's work. This is why Jesus, when, when he had been, apparently he'd been going without food for a while, his disciples left him, they went into the village to get some food, and he hung back by the well, and he met this woman, and he began to interact with her, and he began to, to show her who he was, and eventually share the love of his father with her, this broken woman. And the disciples come back, they got the KFC, and they're like, Jesus, uh, we've got some food. And he's like, no, I'm good. I'm good. My food is to do the will of him who sent me. My food, my sustenance, my satisfaction is to work with my father. And so guys, work, mission, the project always flows out of relationship. And when we step through an open door and everything gets shaken and we're caused to trust more, that trust draws us closer to God that our friendship with him might deepen which affects everything else horizontally. It also causes our friendships with each other to deepen. At least that's what's supposed to happen. People or progress, family or fortune, community or the comfy life. Guys, you know, when we started um, Grace City here, I know, I'm sure several of you in here, if not half of you, may not know like kind of why we started this or where where we came from um but we're a church plant we we were part of a church called grace city in corvallis a few of us and we just thought you know what like god's doing something so beautiful and and powerful here in this little grace community in corvallis um let's let's pray and see if god might not open a door for us in portland and so we, did. we started praying along those lines, and God opened a door. And there was about 30 of us, I think, maybe about a dozen of us in uh, Corvallis. And we got someone laughing quite enthusiastically on the third row here. <laughs> there was about 30 of us in total, and uh, about a dozen of us coming for, from Corvallis, another dozen or so of just friends here in Portland that we sort of connected with. And uh, he thought, you know what, let's, let's just follow Jesus in Portland. Let's not reinvent the wheel. Let's not you know, come, out, come here thinking somehow we're gonna, we're gonna give Portland something that only we have got. That would have just been silly and arrogant. But let's follow Jesus to Portland. And let's take this little community that just seems to be full of him and let's just, let's just share it. Let's just share it with people who don't know him in this big city, the city that I love. And it didn't, didn't start out like this. It started out in our living room, actually. It was just, it was just a handful of us, really. And, and we didn't have a master plan. Um, I, I, I would have loved to have had a master plan. We had a plan, but it was a, it was a pretty informal plan. The plan was essentially, let's be really good friends and love each other well and introduce anyone we meet to our best friend, Jesus. That's the plan. And so that's what we've been trying to do for just a little over a year now. And the reason I share that, guys, because it's easy to step into like a church building that seems relatively organized and you know, there's, everyone knows what they're doing and we have microphones and we have... You know, all this stuff going on, and it's easy to think, oh, nice program. Nice program. You guys, are, you guys are really doing well here. Thank you, but you must know that this is all 
flowing out of relationship with God and with others. This began with an open door for work and lots of adversity, because let me tell you, this has been really, really hard. Um, And who are our adversaries, by the way? Not people. Never, ever, 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 ever people. Spiritual forces of wickedness, uh, the enemy. Perhaps there are people involved because Satan loves to oppress people, manipulate and use people, but our adversaries are never people. Okay, God sent his son Jesus to die for and save people, and that's what we're doing here. Work, adversity, uh, all sorts of new ways to grow in trusting God like never before. Wife, kids, mortgage, money, just et cetera, et cetera, enough to like really just sort of kick in an early onset uh, midlife crisis. So lots of opportunity to trust, which ultimately has only led to a deepening of relationship with God and with others. And this is what we're doing now. It's grown. We've been blessed with this this really cool venue that we can gather in. People are giving. People are hearing the good news. That's the work, by the way. That's the work, is that we would do the work of loving people well, We would do the work of telling people about who God is and what he's done for us in Jesus that more people in this city can respond to God's grace, that they can be set free from whatever is keeping them buried in death underground. That's what we're doing here. We want to share God's love with this whole city. We want to go on a rescue mission with Jesus to spread the gospel. Closing thought. There's, there's other open doors um, in Scripture. And I want to close by reading a passage regarding one of them in John chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. I think this one's up there. Jesus said, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he or she will be saved and go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. What we need to realize is that any open door we might ever discover or our hope to find is really Jesus. Is really Jesus. Jesus is the door. It's because of who Jesus is. His atoning death on the cross. His victory over the grave. His new life. That the open door thing is, is, is even a thing at all. It's because what God has accomplished in his son Jesus that we can respond to these opportunities that God sets before us, that we can experience what it feels like to be an adopted son or daughter of God and to work with our Father, to be on mission with our King, so that we can experience what it actually means 
to trust in the sole, stable, trustworthy being in the universe, in a world where everything else is up for change. There is one sole, stable source that nothing else can compare to, and that is Jesus himself. Jesus said in Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, speaking to the church in Laodicea, he spoke words to the church in Philadelphia, and then he went on to speak some words to the church in Laodicea. They're the ones that were uh, lukewarm. And Jesus said, look, you, you need to make a decision. Either be hot or be cold, but make a choice. Be for me or be against me. And then he went on to say, behold, I stand at the door and knock. Those who would hear and let me in, I will come in and I will eat with them and they with me. He said that to the church in Laodicea. These are Christians apparently, who Jesus himself was challenging to take a step, to make a call. He said, look, I'm, I'm, I'm here, I'm knocking, I'm knocking on the door of your soul. What do you say? Will you make a decision for me this morning? That's heavy, that's heavy. And I believe it's exactly the word some of you need to hear this morning. You need to stop messing around and realize the door that, that's before you right now, this morning. You need to realize that Jesus' death on the cross wasn't just some trite little religious matter that we, we celebrate. Oh, this, this was God himself in flesh dying for your sins and for mine, rescuing us from the, our due just punishment as rebels, enemies of our creator, taking the wrath of God onto himself so that we might have a door of salvation to follow him through. Oh, this is heavy. This is, this is wonderful that our good and loving father would come to rescue us. And I wonder if Jesus is knocking on the door. I know it's cheesy. I know it just. But Jesus is knocking on the door of your soul, saying, will you, will you allow me to come in and change everything in your life? Right now, this morning. Can we stand together? Guys, I'm not gonna put anyone on the spot. I'm not gonna do a raise your hand thing or anything like that. I really think that a moment like this is, is truly quite a personal thing and, and it's something that ultimately is between you and God. But I do wanna challenge you to do this. If you, if you feel that, if you feel God doing something in your heart, 
I want you to respond this morning. If you need someone to help you respond, if you need someone to just, just stand with you, pray with you, cry with you, just grab the person that you're standing next to. If you don't got anyone, come, come grab me. And we'll, we'll do this together.